This is exactly right. This story contains adult content and language. Listener discretion is advised. The previous two times that the Witchers and the Clements stepped into a legal proceeding, they both ended in disaster. But Vincent Oliver Witcher hoped that this time things would be different. Vincent Oliver and four of his grandsons were set to face an examining court of five judges. Witnesses would be sworn to tell the truth about what happened on Saturday, February 25th, the day James, Ralph, and Johnston Clement were killed. The judges would deliberate and decide whether the five Witcher men should be tried in the circuit court for premeditated murder, a conviction that would result in death by noose for all of the Witchers on trial. There was so much at stake. On March 15th of 1860, the 78-year-old captain was the first to face the panel. Vincent Oliver Witcher and his grandsons were brought up from the jail to the courthouse in Franklin County. This wasn't a country dry goods store like Dickinson's where the divorce proceedings took place the month before. This was a real court of law, which must have been sobering to Vincent Oliver, the once feared politician and military hero. Hundreds of people packed into the courthouse. Guards stood near the doors. They smartly checked weapons at the door this time. Vincent Oliver had failed to convince his jailers to let him keep his weapons because he feared retribution from the Clements. The attorney for the Commonwealth of Virginia paced the floor as the first witness was called before the panel of judges. This time, the attorneys were not Witchers or Clements, but the list of witnesses was very familiar to anyone who had been inside Dickinson's store. Some claimed that Vincent Oliver Witcher drew first. Some said that James Clement did. There were conflicting stories, and all of it was biased. James's violence was brought up as well as his fears about reprisal from the Witchers. But much of the testimony was based on what witnesses thought happened that day in Dickinson's store. Wayne Witcher and I talk about the testimony that the five judges heard and whether it seemed to point to self-defense or premeditation. There were individuals who discussed and described his jealousy and his fits of rage. And if I heard that, that would definitely impress upon me that this was a violent man. The court hearing took 18 days to complete, and each day the courtroom was packed with a throng of supporters and gawkers. Once testimony concluded, the five judges retired to their chambers to consider the evidence. Was what happened at Dickinson's store in February self-defense or premeditation? Had the witchers planned to murder James Clement, or were they simply reacting to protect themselves? The court clerk read the verdict. The court, having examined witnesses as well on behalf of the Commonwealth as of the prisoners at the bar, is of the opinion that there is not probable cause for charging the said prisoners with the offense aforesaid, and doth order that they be acquitted and discharged of the said offense, and go therefore without delay. Later, the Franklin County clerk would declare that of the five judges, Two wanted to send the case to the circuit court so the witchers could be tried for murder. 
That pair of judges was overruled by the other three who voted for acquittal. This was not a clear-cut case of self-defense because two judges thought that the Witchers may have actually planned to murder James Clement. But the panel only needed a majority. But Wayne Witcher says that the other three judges probably looked at James's past behavior and concluded that the killings were, in fact, self-defense. The lawyers of the day, which represented the Witcher family, brought forward evidence which indicated that James Clement was a violent man. And if, indeed, he did whip his slaves, strip them down, and whip them in front of Victoria, just to make a point to her, that would be evidence alone. Just that evidence kind of causes me to understand a little bit more why they might acquit the Witchers in that shooting. But, of course, it wasn't unanimous, and there were two different arguments. Was James violent? The answer seems to be yes. But did the Witchers plan to kill him because of it? I would guess yes. After Vincent Oliver Witcher was released, the Commonwealth's prosecutor reviewed his cases against the captain's four grandsons. He concluded that putting the other Witchers on trial would likely result in the same verdict, and it would be a waste of money. Vincent Oliver's grandsons, including Vincent Addison Witcher, were all released. There have been rumors throughout the Witchers for generations that Vincent Oliver and his family paid off the judges to acquit him. Local historian Bill Garant says that there are a lot of reasons why they might have been acquitted, and none of them had to do with the evidence. I have a friend who's descended from the Witchers, and she always brings up the fact that they were acquitted. Yeah, well, they were acquitted. But I heard a little while ago that the, the, the rumor that the judge got drunk at the Witchers' house the night before. I don't know if that's true, but let's just say convicting the Witchers might not have been such a great, you know, but if you were a judge or a jury, there was going to be a, an intimidation factor. Looking over the legal documents, bribes or intimidation don't seem likely, but who knows. They just needed three judges to agree. It's just another mystery. Wayne Witcher says that politics might have played a role, but the evidence against James Clement was damning. Wayne says that James seemed like a violent man, even if he didn't kill anyone that day in Dickinson's store. It's possible that Captain Witcher's political and social connections were leveraged in obtaining this not guilty. I had thought that was the the case, in fact. But hearing this other side, such violence was seen in James Clement. I can kind of understand, you know, why the Witchers were acquitted. Bill Garant isn't so sure. He's really skeptical of the decision. Maybe the evidence acquitted them. But no Witchers were injured in all that. And three Clements were dead and brutally mutilated and murdered. I mean, it sounded to me like, didn't sound like a fair fight to me. Bill says that just because Vincent Oliver Witcher was acquitted doesn't mean he wasn't guilty. Looking at it from a historian 150 years later, I don't think anybody was surprised they got acquitted. And I don't think anybody thought that meant they didn't do it. When the verdict was announced that day, Vincent Oliver Witcher had many supporters in the county courthouse. They let out a volley of cheers and offered handshakes to one another. A local newspaper praised the captain and his grandsons for their coolness during the stressful proceedings. The reporter was sure that Vincent Oliver Witcher's thousands of admirers would be pleased with the judge's decision. The article also included some snarky advice for the crestfallen supporters of James Clement and his two brothers. It read, 
it is much to be desired that the friends of the fallen will submit with becoming resigned to the decision of constituted authorities in the country, and that they will suppress any feeling of resentment that might arise in their bosoms. That seemed unlikely. The Clements were outraged at the judge's decision. Dr. George Clement issued a polite but stern public statement about the miscarriage of justice and the horror of what happened that day in February. He lamented that the five judges only listened to evidence about what specifically happened that day in Dickinson's store. They didn't seem to care that his son's reputation had been tarnished by the accusations from the witchers. Dr. Clement wrote, It is a matter of deep regret that the evidence was not taken down on the trial of the prisoners before the examining court. Whether or not discharging them from further prosecution was correct, it is not proper, perhaps, for me to express my opinion. If justice has not been done, I feel confident that sooner or later, in a higher tribunal, it will be. During these proceedings, James and Victoria's daughter, Lelia Maud, turned one year old. After the witchers were acquitted, James Clement's estate was settled. He had left his daughter $6,000, which would be about $200,000 today. That certainly must have helped her later in life. I asked Ran Witcher about how the feud affected the witchers after it was all settled. So you don't own any of the old property Oh, anymore. no, no. Nobody does. No witchers, no No, no, do. no. They own all that land around here, and then after that shooting... Yeah, I, I, yeah, end up... That one event changed yeah, it so that, much. Yeah, well... You could have been a millionaire by now. A multi-millionaire. <laughs> They just, like I said, the courts, and they disbanded them was three, the three of them. And one of them went to Texas, and we we had a reunion here several years ago. And one of them from Texas, out of that family, came to the reunion. And they were multimillionaires, just filthy rich. And one of them went to West Virginia, and I'm not sure where the third one went. But they had to leave this part of the country. They couldn't live here. And uh, all because of a little woman. But by now, we know that it was so much more than that. It was about abuse and jealousy and lies and child custody. Most of all, it was about two people who simply didn't belong together and couldn't sort out how to end their marriage peacefully. Wesley Witcher says that really nothing in history will change how he feels about his family. You get the polished version to where we were well-off landowners, owned like half of Pennsylvania County, and had a feud over this woman, and we weren't going to tolerate that, and we got kicked out, and we got separated, and if it weren't for that, you know, we'd still have this, so there's a little bit of that in the elders. I hear them bemoan that. Here I am in 2021. I'm very thankful to be a witcher. I asked Desmond Kendrick, the Clement relative, about Rand's belief that the witchers lost quite a lot because of this feud, even though none of them died. Now, what Rand believes is that because of this event, that the witcher family was changed forever. They lost a lot of land. They had to pay people off. They kind of disbanded. I'm sure, and I've heard that. I've heard that happen, and I hate that because, I mean, they were people just like the Clements. You know, I don't know a lot of the Witcher family, and I would love to know more about them. I mean, I really would. I have the interest in their family, too, not specifically just because of the feud, but because of who they are, because I study all these families. They're just another family to me, you know, that I'm interested in. 
One person that Desmond Kendrick and Wayne Witcher have both studied is Victoria's brother, Vincent Addison Witcher. During the Civil War, he received accolades for his bravery and his brutality, especially his brutality. Wayne Witcher tells me a bit more about Addison Witcher. He was a colonel who was nicknamed Clawhammer, which sounds terrible, but it was actually because he wore a long coat into battle called a Clawhammer. Well, he was involved in the Limestone Cove massacre in Tennessee, where Union sympathizers were massacred by his men. He was involved in counterinsurgencies in West Virginia, East Kentucky, Southwest Virginia, Northwest Tennessee. He led a group of men called Witcher's Boys, which apparently terrorized areas in the Wayne County, West Virginia area. Eventually, Addison Witcher ended up back in court, and he lucked out again. He actually stood trial for ruthlessly murdering civilians, but he was found not guilty. He also rode with Jeb Stewart in the um, Battle of Gettysburg. In fact, Jeb Stewart wrote a commendation concerning Vincent Addison Witcher. So this man understood battle. He fought. And here's the thing. He was hated by the North after the Civil War. Wayne Witcher and Bill Grant both say that Addison Witcher wasn't likely any more violent than other soldiers on both sides because the Civil War was terrible for everyone who fought in it. The question that I ask looking back at those times is this. Until any one of us have had to go through the things that they went through, like, for example, seeing the sight of dismembered bodies, the smell of blood and guts rotting under hot sun, the thunder and shouts and anguished screams of the battlefield, until we've experienced those things, we really can't understand what it is that made these people who they are. It was brutal. Imagine what he would say is, this is what we had to do. You know, we were in a guerrilla warfare here. You didn't know who to trust. You didn't know who was on your side. There were ambushes and there were uh, people being killed in their sleep. And we had to find the people we thought were doing it and eliminate them. Hmm. But it was brutal. And it was it's nothing that I think anybody who's a with your family member or anyone who's trying to portray the Civil War in some romantic terms, they were not going to cite these examples because <laughs> they were horrible. There are many dramatic stories about Addison Witcher dressed in his long black coat, riding his horse up a mountain. He was almost mythical by the end of the Civil War. And eventually, he became more famous than his grandfather, Vincent Oliver Witcher. Did he strap people's heads to saplings and have them yanked off? I don't know. That may be embellishments. But I think he probably was guilty of... As I say, there were, there is credible evidence that he committed atrocities, or his men did. And in some cases, they were responding or believed they were responding to atrocities. I will say this about Colonel Witcher. When he fought at Gettysburg with Stewart in a stand-up fight, he was very brave. He was commended for it. You wouldn't read Stewart's accounting of his performance at Gettysburg and think it's the same guy who's going around decapitating suspected Yankees in Western Virginia. Edith Witcher Gordon says that she has heard about Clawhammer's reputation for years, but she's always been told that her great-grandfather was a wonderful family man. He was just one of the family. Mm -hmm. My mother uh, said that he stayed dressed up all the time in farm country more than men usually had on overalls or something, but she was in awe of him because he was always dressed up. And walking to school, she'd like to stop by the house. But he always would say, come in and get warm to the kids. They had to walk a long ways to school. And she was impressed by the family because of the way they dressed. After I returned to Austin, I asked Desmond and Vicki separately if they would be interested in meeting over Zoom. 
Desmond has had a great interest in Lilia Maud, so meeting Vicky was very exciting for him. And Vicky wanted to know more about the Clements side of her family. And I would like to know her line, like, you know, who her mom was. Or, I'll read the email because she laid it yeah, all out. I'd love to see that because I don't know anybody in that family because they were gone, you know. Yeah. Desmond just came on. Hold on. He's connecting. Hi, Desmond. How are you? I'm nice, good. Okay. How nice are you? Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. After chatting for a little while about both families, I ask about James and Victoria's marriage. Well, there's no way that she was going to stay married. Well, what if she, what if she in the 1800s? I mean, we've already talked about how difficult divorce was. What women do? What if she stayed married to him? That's what he thought she would do. And he thought that she would never leave him. And I think he would have gotten meaner and meaner. And who knows what would have happened. But thank goodness she didn't. Uh, At the same time, it's a tragedy that it ended the way it ended. And I think that's the way my father looked at it. And of course, I knew the story of it. I'd heard the story many times, but it wasn't dwelled on. It was just told to me as as a tragedy that it ended this way. That That's how it was told to me. And all of this mess outcomes what sounds to me to be a lovely, sweet woman, Miss P, Lilia Mott, who then creates a family that became you and your and your girls and your family. So out of all of this mess, you are still this very positive offspring of a terrible marriage. Vicki Borden told us about Lilia Maud, her father's beloved grandmother. She heard all about her growing up. I knew all about her all of my life because she was absolutely adorable, according to everybody. They lived in Reedsville, North Carolina. It was a tiny town, but a wonderful town. And so my grandmother and grandfather lived on one side of the street, and then on the other side of the street, diagonally, was where Mrs. P lived. That's what they called P-E-A-Y, who had been Leah Maud Clement. So... I have heard stories about her all of my life. She was absolutely adorable, and everybody loved her very much. Jane Borden and her mother say that both Victoria and Miss P felt like family members, not relatives from long ago. You know, my grandfather had pictures of Victoria in his bedroom, and we still have the painting of Lilia, known to us as Mrs. P. And I grew up hearing stories about Mrs. P because she was really close with my grandfather and spoiled him. Every generation only had one kid. When he was a teenager, I guess this would have been maybe around 1930 or something, he wanted to get a motorcycle and his parents wouldn't buy it for him. And so he went and asked Miss P because she spoiled him so. And she said she would only get it if he would get one with a sidecar and drive her around town in it. And uh, she did, and they did. (laughs) But it was just Miss P. She did anything and everything that my father wanted. Plus, she was just adorable. And so she obviously had a good childhood because she ended up being so wonderful and loving and affectionate and had two fabulous husbands. Victoria's picture hung in my parents' bedroom for all my life, as long as I can remember. And my father would say, this is who you're named for. She was my great-grandmother. And then when I got older, they told me the story. You know, they just said it was two wonderful families and Victoria was unhappy in the marriage. And that's really all they said. And then they said it turned bad in the courtroom. 
After the murder of her estranged husband, Victoria's life changed dramatically. Remember when a man named George Berger gave a deposition at James and Victoria's divorce proceedings? Ralph Clement tried to get Berger to admit that his brother Samuel and Victoria were actually in love and engaged just weeks before she married James. George Berger refused to give any information. Well, in 1862, two years after James's death, Victoria married Samuel Berger and he formally adopted Lilia Maud. Berger served in the Confederate Army during the entire war and then ran a tobacco warehouse in Danville. He and Victoria and Lilia Maud eventually moved to South Carolina, where Victoria died in 1899 at age 60. Vicki Borden asks Desmond what he might know about Samuel and Victoria. I know that after they married, they lived over in that area around Tosh's for a while, and then they just kind of drop off. Now, I don't know if that's when they went to, what was it, Tennessee? Is that where she's buried? I've got a picture of her tombstone, but I've never seen it. I've never been to her cemetery. I want to say it's Tennessee. Now, I might be wrong on that. No, I don't think so. I think it's in Virginia. Oh, is it? Okay. So after they moved, I'm going to say basically from Pennsylvania County, I just lost them. You know, I can remember asking my great aunts because they knew her. They remembered the Jamal and they talked about her just like she lived across the road from them. I mean, they they thought a lot of her. Bill Garant says that Victoria apparently never reconnected with his relative, Buck Gilbert, her former boyfriend. So after that shootout, Buck moves to Missouri. My impression is he just wanted to say, I just need to move away from here. People are crazy. And he moved to Missouri and ended up getting killed in the Civil War a few years later of a gunshot wound, ironically. And another of Bill's relatives is connected to the Witchers and yet again, not connected in a good way. It's kind of uh, in my family's history to be killed by Witchers. My great-grandmother's father was, was murdered by a man named Morton Witcher in 1868. It's funny. I mean, it's funny in a way because I'm here talking about witchers <laughs> killing people. I'm like, yeah, I can relate. And another interesting side note, Vicki Borden married a man with a curious last name. So I asked her daughter, Jane Borden, about it. We're also related to Lizzie Borden on my dad's side. <laughs> I haven't done the genealogy on Lizzie, but we come from the Bordens of Fall River, Massachusetts. Clearly, we weren't direct descendants of her because she didn't have any children. I kind of joke sometimes, like, don't cross me. I'm related to Lizzie Borden, you know, and I'm related to Captain Witcher, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's... praying about today's sermon and what God wanted to say to us. I never want to just fill space and time with my own thoughts and will, not when it comes to God's people needing a word from God. And sometimes the Lord waits, and you have to wait on Him. Wesley Witcher is a pastor for the North Lewis United Presbyterian Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He and his daughter Katie say that the Witcher reputation might be tough, but the generations after them have tried to change that. When you have a history of men that commit atrocities, a lot of times later generations will try to compensate for it. 
So Uncle Mickey was a preacher. My father is a preacher. It's trying to bring that balance back. Because when you have this extreme, families or couples or whatever siblings, they try to meet the extreme to kind of balance it out, if that makes sense. And so you think we're hoping the next generation of witchers after this generation was a little calmer? Doesn't sound like it, though. It sounds like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Every generation of witchers had a certain wild streak, right? All the men, the ladies know we're great. We are angels. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was wild. He was an alcoholic. He was a womanizer. He cheated on my mom. But I didn't know that. I was four when he passed, and he was in his 20s. But all of that kind of, they kind of kept that away, and they just gave me the goodness, the wholesomeness, the family unit. I could hold my head up pretty good with some self-worth that I have something I can identify with. I was never ashamed of my name. During our Zoom call, I asked Vicki Borden and Desmond Kendrick about the cause of the feud. What do you do with a story where it seems like the man, James, is terrible, but the response from the witchers is so devastating. It is. I mean, both families got destroyed to a certain extent and then had to sort of rise up from it. I don't think the feud had anything to do with the divorce. I think the family was terrified that he was going to get the child. Yeah, I think it was a custody battle. But then by the time they got to the courtroom, I mean, don't leave, the fun's just beginning. All of that was forgotten, and it just turned into a free-for-all. That's what I think happened. I don't know, maybe the story is the times and how it compares to the times today. I don't know, but there's definitely a story there that hasn't been told. Oh, yeah. And then the way I see it, too, talking about the two sides, you got really three sides, because you got the Clement side, the Witcher side, and then you got the truth. Either side is never going to know everything that no. happened. I agree with no. you 150%. Desmond Kendrick has spent his life thinking about the Clement family, his family. But for quite a while, he didn't want to think about the feud at all. So for a long time, probably from the time I was 10, 11 years old until I was probably in my mid-20s, I was kind of ashamed of it in a respect. I mean, I would still talk about it, but I had a shame on it because of the way it happened. And then I got thinking about it when I was old enough to understand, why are you ashamed of this? This happened. And you're going to have to be the one that's going to have to stand up and and do the respect for it till it will be preserved. And Desmond has done an incredible job preserving it, the good and the bad historical facts. Even though he's from the Clement side of the feud, he likes to think that he has remained objective. And I think he has too. Things get embellished, obviously, to make it look good on your family. But on the same token, they may have been trying to instill in me how good they were. I'm not saying they did or they didn't. But I also saw the other side of the fence, so to speak, of how the brothers could have been, the Clement brothers could have been just as much at fault as the Witchers. And that's my true belief now that all six of them were probably as guilty as the other one. The way I like to think about it is an insanely jealous man married to a flirtatious woman who perhaps in some way didn't mind pushing his buttons. It's a very bad combination especially when you bring into the mix a grandfather who will kill anyone who disrespects his granddaughter. I think it was a terrible match. I don't think there's any question about that.
was working my way through the room. But my one dad by one. I just was very fond of it. He called her Aunt Carrie. was the last Clement to live at Mountain View. She died in 52, 1952. Is this the one that, that Tuck was talking yeah. about? Her name so, was Carrie Elizabeth Clement. And th this was your aunt? Well, my dad called her his aunt. Her mom and dad were my dad's uncle and aunt. In the summer of 2021, when COVID was at a low point, I asked the Witchers and the Clements to come together for a reunion, although maybe it wasn't really a reunion because most of them had never met. About 15 people were there, Ran and his sister Edith and their brother Homer. Bill Garant was there, who was related to Buck Gilbert, and Wayne Witcher came up from Oklahoma. Katie Witcher came, Rand's great-niece, and the reason this whole thing started to begin with. And Desmond Kendrick came, the Clement relative. Desmond, how was Dr. Clement's first wife kin to Victoria Smith? It's her grandmother. No, -uh, it was her husband's grandmother. I'm sorry. Was, she was her great-aunt. Was the great-aunt of great -aunt. Victoria Smith. It was a right, Smith. Right. Ain't Victoria's dad, Albert Smith, was a niece to Stella. Okay. So. There's going to be a test because I'm getting lost. In yeah, that's very. I consider myself <laughs> okay. really knowledgeable. To how, remember there was a how good in is there, your uh, how good is your mind at three in the morning? <laughs> Wake up in the middle of the night all my life, February 25th, 1860. You can think, okay, is it the 25th or 26th? It don't matter. at three o'clock in the morning. Go to sleep. No, you got to go look. You wake up at three o'clock in the morning. A lot. Desmond really enjoyed showing the Witchers all of the photographs of both of his families, the Clements and the Witchers. He's collected these since he was a boy. This is the three brothers, of course, that were killed. Oh, wow. I've never seen that picture before. Did, did you see it? Those are the three brothers who were no, killed. No, I'm going to come and That's made. William was the older one. Have you scanned all this in? Oh, yeah. You put, you yeah. Have, so they're, they're all scanned. online. This is the nanny. Now I was talking about she's buried there at Mountain View, but she is my great-great-grandfather's nanny as a little boy. This Wayne Witcher is especially interested in those photos. I actually oh, know yes. my these people that have died 150, 200 years ago better than I know my living relatives because I have been in the records and have seen right. their lives exactly. through those records. Exactly, and they become real. Yeah, I mean, they are these real are real to me. To They're me real to these me. pictures. These people are real, and I can see the cemetery where I grew up, where they're buried. I can see it down through a field. Old William Witcher had a daughter that married a Napier, and she's my grandma. So Vince, old William's my granddaddy too. Wow. So, but she's on my mom's side, uh, so. And that is William Witcher. He's the original, essentially, right? That well, he's Witcher. one of the originals. Everybody always right. says that he was the original, but he's not. Katie Witcher hasn't seen this side of the family for quite a while, and she's happy she made the trip from Oklahoma. I haven't visited my Virginia family probably in like 10 years, maybe more, maybe closer to 15. So it's been a really long time. I was happy to be with them, but... I was pleasantly surprised at how open-minded most everyone was. You know, there's a stereotype about people in the South or people that live in the country. Like, they're going to be closed-minded and they're going to be a certain way. And they were really cooperative and, and so sweet. I just, it was, it was surprising. During the reunion, I asked to speak privately with Edith Witcher Gordon about the family and about how much they were all talking about Vincent Oliver and James Clement and Victoria Smith as if they actually knew them. It was as if it happened last week instead of 100 years ago. And it was as if those people were still real when they talked about it. I think Southerners do that, though. I don't know that that's that unusual for, for our family. Do you think it is? In my family, we don't talk about, you know, ancestors as much as I think y'all might. I think you also have a much more interesting history 
than I have in my family. Maybe that's I doubt it. <laughs> I've asked the people at this Witcher Clement reunion about lessons learned. What is there to learn from something that seemed like one tragedy after another? Of course, everyone had different answers. Those who fail to learn from the mistakes of history are doomed to repeat them. And I very much expect that the Clement family expected Lilia to stay in that family, and the Witchers felt that that child should stay with mom. And so even if it wasn't an issue of honor, I think that child custody situation probably brought it to a whole new level. Anyone who's been through a child custody case understands you go through a divorce, then you're not necessarily wanting that child to go with mom or with dad. One party or the other feels that that child would be best raised in their own household. And, and keep in mind, in those days, it wasn't like these were single families living off by themselves. These were clans. You had the Witcher clan and you had the Clement clan. I don't know. I feel like a lot of the moral of the story is if you try to defend your name and you're trying to protect your family, you're protecting your family's name. If you do it too much, you actually end up hurting your family's name. And I think that's what we see most of all. Because at a point, if you're constantly offended or ready for someone to attack, that's what you're going to find. And so you see that reaction was, was almost overreactive, of course. And then seeing that after that, the witchers lost the land and the money and the social status and all these things. And it's like, well, what if you had let that roll off your shoulders or learned acceptance that wouldn't be bothered by someone making a comment about the witcher name? Look, here's the thing. You cannot allow abusive relationships to continue. And the full weight of the law needs to step in and defend those who are being abused and to prosecute those who are abusing people. Domestic court judge Dimple Maholtra agrees She's seen an increase in domestic violence cases in her court since the pandemic started in 2020. And those cases many times involve young people. And that needs to stop to break the pattern of abuse in families. You know, I do see a number of young people coming in and applying for protective orders. I do see a number of young people who are victims of domestic violence. And I don't know that it's more prevalent. I think domestic violence is just prevalent. It's pervasive. It's an epidemic. I think the difference is that we don't talk about it with our young people. We don't educate them about red flags. Judge Maholtra says there needs to be more education in schools. She says that young people don't always spot the signs of abuse. Sometimes it's hard enough for older adults to do that. What we don't realize is that batterers are able to obtain as much control in the relationship because they are able to manipulate and be charming and have this outward facade of this person who is calm and with it and together. And so parents see that, or teachers see that, or others see that, maybe even friends of the victim, and they don't, you know, the alarm bells aren't going off. So, Wayne, you haven't been to this one before. No, I know. I've never made it here. There's graves over there, too. Who are those? Do you know any of those? That's a set of twins were buried here somewhere. Yeah, but that cemetery over there. Oh, that's no. That's two different other families over there. We're taking one final trip to the Witcher Family Cemetery. That might be one of them. Might be both of them over there. Hey, Carol, can you come over here? Can you stand over here, please? And, uh... Can you come over here? 
Uh, my dad would oh, love to see this picture because he was a big student of this. Vincent Addison. Vincent Addison and of the few. I'll take a picture. Thank you. All right, y'all ready? Everybody look right at me. Okay. It's perfect. Can you sit? Don't stand over here. Ranwicher says he's doing his best to bring honor to the family name because people expect it. I'm the only witcher lives here, and I try to be a very good person to help people, do people a favor. And I ain't got to be a millionaire yet, but I'm working on it. (laughs) So you just want to be a good person. That's right. Vicki and Jane Borden are hard-pressed to find anything good from this story, except for Lilia Maud. But the rest of the tale about the feud between their two families was just upsetting to everyone who came after Victoria. Hearing how much these other people still feel connected to this story makes me wonder if maybe it was kind of suppressed in my line. You asked me earlier if this was something we grew up talking about or, you know, maybe Lilia didn't talk about it. Bill Garant believes that eventually the story of the feud will fade, which is a little bit sad because it affected the area so much. This feud is part of our our local lore here. I mean, people know about it. But every generation that passes, fewer people know about it or care about it. People like Desmond are going to care, but the family here, Ran and his brother and sister. Because memories are long, but they eventually go away. But maybe not. I've noticed some interesting things as I've visited with the Witchers and the Clements in Virginia. Edith Witcher Gordon says that everyone loves a good story especially one involving a dynamic, dramatic family like the Witchers. You know, you hate to think of, okay, I'm from a dull family. <laughs> I guess I was an English teacher. I like drama. You know? I, liked, I, like, I like stories. I like a plot, whether it's my own story or somebody else's. I just find it fascinating. You can tell me your name, and I'll forget it. You'll meet me on the street a day later, and I remember, but I can remember your whole family history if you tell me that. But Edith says that there are some people who don't want you to know anything about their family history, especially if it's filled with sordid stories. I think the perversity of mankind, no one is all good or evil. Because if you look back through the family histories, it's some of the people you want to boast about. Okay, first woman member of parliament. Oh, she's one of ours or, you know, this kind of thing. But then there are also some you just assume not claim publicly if you cared about that sort of thing. But Edith says that in Virginia, your ancestors aren't just your ancestors. They're your family, even if they aren't all saints. You know, they say Southerners, <laughs> we bring our crazy people out and sit them right on the front porch. Well, <laughs> we do the same with our criminals. You know? <laughs> they shoot somebody to get out of jail, you set them right on the front porch. <laughs> so you, is there anybody in your family who you feel like that about, you don't want to claim? No, I just feel like Some people have to work through more things than than other people. Thanks for joining us on Tenfold More Wicked on Exactly Right. You can hear the trailer for our next season next Monday. It's a story about a missing young woman in 1930s Texas and why her murder was so controversial in her small coastal town and why similar stories are controversial even today. So subscribe and download now to Tenfold More Wicked.
My new book, All That Is Wicked, is available for pre-order now in hardback and eBooks. More information on the audiobook later. All That Is Wicked is based on our first season of Tenfold More Wicked. You might think you know the whole story of killer Edward Ruloff's crimes, but there's so much more. My book, American Sherlock, is also available. This has been an exactly right Tenfold More Media production. Producers Jason Whaling, Alexis Amorosi, and Laura Sobel. Sound designer Eric Friend. Composer Curtis Heath. Artwork Nick Toga. Executive producers are Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, and Danielle Kramer. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Tenfold More Wicked and on Twitter at Tenfold More. And if you know of a historical true crime that could use some attention, email us at info at tenfoldmoremedia.com. Subscribe now on Amazon Music, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.